Hi everybody, this podcast is brought to you by your good friends at Mosaic. Mosaic is a cloud-based car wash membership technology dedicated to helping you create and keep more customers. Their game-changing software platform was built for every car wash owner from single unit operators to large car wash chains to petroleum companies. Mosaic will customize a private label mobile application with your brand, allowing your customers to buy their own memberships along with single washes and any of their products that you might sell while incentivizing repeat purchases with a built-in loyalty customer platform. For more information on the cloud-based platform and to read real stories on how Mosaic has changed the game for operators both in the U.S. and Canada, and to book a demonstration of this powerful technology, simply visit wearemosaic.ca. Again, that's wearemosaic.ca. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hello, Car Wash Nation. Welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is your host, David Begin. Uh, we finally got a little bit of winter. I'm in Colorado, Joe. I don't. We didn't talk about that earlier, but I'm in the Colorado area, and we just had about eight to ten inches of snow last night and it's uh we're we're getting hit with our snowstorms early and uh in the car washing business we we watch weather like weather reporters watch weather and so <laughs> everybody's excited because when, when we, we end up we end up getting a big snow then everybody gets excited because when it starts melting everybody's got to wash their car well that that is that is a bonus yeah. that's a, an interesting perspective i never really thought about that yeah. the, the yeah. weather report yeah yeah, so we're 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 kind of students of the weather, and we always talk about what's the best weather app, and we're always looking for these snow events. But Joe Trot is my guest today. He's the CEO of Mindset Experts. He's out of Edinburgh, Scotland, and he really focuses on helping entrepreneurs get to the next level in their business and helping with that mindset that most entrepreneurs struggle with. And uh, Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate the uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks very much for having me, David. Really, really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So give us a little idea of your entrepreneurial journey. I know you've kind of started in other industries, maybe that uh, was not, you know, running a small business. But how, how did you get from where, where you started to being CEO of Mindset Experts? Well, the, the, the condensed version there is that I went and did law from um, high school because I thought it would be a really cool and interesting career. But it was yeah. actually a long and boring degree. Yeah. Um, then when I came out of that, all the money was in IT. So I thought, I like money. Um, let's go and do that. I did that for about sort of seven or eight years. But it was in my early 30s that I thought, you know, that this isn't the right path. You know, I'm, I'm not doing the thing that is going to light me up um, in my life. So what, what do I love? So it was all, I've always been interested in people's minds. I've always been interested in creating impact. Um, so from there, I went and did a psychology degree. I worked for um, a youth charity for a bit. I did some volunteering and mental health. I ran my own social enterprise, which I think you guys have the equivalent of. Um, it's a bit like a B Corp, you know, just a business with a, a social yeah. aim. Yeah. Uh, I, became, excuse me, I became really interested in, uh, you know, the, it's the economic environment that's going to drive change. It's where the exciting ideas are. It's, it's where things are really happening. Um, so I 
started to work with entrepreneurs through this business called Entrepreneurial Spark. And from there, I started to niche down into what I, what the clients I really love working with, which are these guys who have got a business. So it's not just a pure startup. I've got an idea. They've got a business and they get to a certain point and they just think, I don't know how to go to the next level with this. So they get the traction. They might have a first round of investment. They've maybe even got as far as a lifestyle business, but they just don't know how to take it up to the next level. Um, and those are the guys that I focus on currently. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, there's certainly a big need for that type of focus. It's it's interesting. You took the same kind of the same path where you were trying to find your way with other jobs and maybe working in the corporate world. And it was amazing mm. for me because I did that too. I was in the corporate environment for about 20 or 25 years. And I was just generally unhappy and I couldn't figure out sure. why I was unhappy in those environments. And then I started my own business and then I realized, oh, that's why I'm unhappy because <laughs> I love running I love running my own businesses and uh, it's fun to do and it's, it's challenging, but it's certainly, uh, certainly very rewarding. But uh, entrepreneurs are funny people, I think. Uh, <laughs> what makes entrepreneurs unique? I know, you know, you get people that think they want to be entrepreneurs, but they're not quite ready for it or they're not sure about it. And then you get people that sort of jump in and become entrepreneurs. What, what are some characteristics that make entrepreneurs and business owners unique? So I think it's interesting because I do think that there are um, changes and developments that need to be made. If you look at if you look at taking ideas through into the marketplace and into growth, if you start as an entrepreneur, and I don't know how many of you guys are like, you know, franchisees or they've got like a proven business model that they can follow, that they can, you know, execute on. Um, if you look at entrepreneurs generally, if they don't have that, they've really got to be somebody who can cope with like chaos and rejection and being able to take opportunities um, and that, that can be really hard, you know, for, for some people because they want a plan, they want to follow that, they're in love with their idea. Um, the guys that I work with, that, that when you go to the next level beyond that, it's really thinking about what's the team? You know, what, who are the people that I actually need around me? Because if they have been able to cope with that chaos and take the opportunities, chances are they're not all that structured in their thinking. So they then need to be able to put the right people around them so they can maximize what they're really strong at, but be able to build in, you know, the processes. Because if you've got a team, you can't operate in chaos, right? You know, people have to know, you know, what are we, what are we trying to do here? What are the numbers? <laughs> you know, the bigger it gets, the more you've got to be sharper on your numbers. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs are not so hot on those. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's different skill sets at each stage. But it's like you were saying, the, there's almost like the, nothing wrong with corporate world if, you're, if you are suited to that. Um, and it's certainly a lot more stable. So you will get greater highs, but being able to have the resilience to deal with it when you get punched in the face, because that is going to happen for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it takes that tenacity of an individual who has that idea and I think you've identified that that's probably true is, is most entrepreneurs are, you know, they have an idea, they start percolating that idea, they start developing that idea, they execute on the idea, and then they end up with some level of success with that idea. And that's a completely different skill set than, okay, now how do I take this business and grow it? And how do, sure. I, how, how, how do I run that business? So the, the, the idea guy or the visionary 
is very different than the guy who's got to implement it or execute it. A hundred percent. And it's, you know, you need to be able to do a little bit of, of all those things generally, if you are taking the idea right from its inception, but you're a hundred percent right there that, you know, you need to think about that balance in the team. And the balance generally is about that, you know, the executor and the visionary. So what's the plan? How do we make that into something meaningful? And then who's actually going to do the detail work that visionary is not so keen on doing? Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, you know, I, I worked in the high technology field before I got into car washing. Cool. And I, and I did a number of startups in Silicon Valley and Austin, Texas, and some of these, these uh, you know, technology corridors. And you could see when you had a, a visionary or the person who was the founder get to a certain point in the business, and then they've got to go through that struggle of, do I give up the business and, and then hire a CEO to run it? Yep. Or do I, do, I continue keep, do I continue to keep running it? And it seems to me it's a rare person that can find, you know, start a company and continue running it as it grows. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think that the pr- part of the challenge around that is that that's the news story, right? Mm-hmm. The news story is the person starts in the garage and then they stay with the company all the way through. Okay, Steve, Steve Jobs got sacked yeah. from his, but you know, in principle, we did kind of stay with it all the way through. And uh, Richard Branson and uh, Jeff Bezos and you know all these kind of guys. But yeah, that that in reality, it's rarely the case. What I find with a lot of the guys that I'm working with is we're already thinking about what is your position in the next phase and the phase after that of the company. You know, some of the guys want to go and head up the product. Some of them just want to be like the figurehead. They don't actually want to run that board meeting anymore. They mm-hmm. want to go out and be the face of the business. Um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely the case that that is the best way to grow the business. I often talk about that in terms of the difference between owning the idea and leadership of the idea. Because if you're a really good leader, you know when it's time for other people, you know, to take that that idea forward. Yeah, yeah. So, so you you talk about a uh, like a roadmap of the entrepreneurial growth, and you say mm. where they typically get stuck is after the startup phase where they get some initial success, and then they end up in this area called the no man's land. Do you want to describe yep. what that is? Yeah, just that they can take the idea through and then it starts to stick. You know, they start to get the, the traction in the marketplace. So for um, perhaps for your listeners, it could be that they've got this working, but it means that they have to do, you know, 70-hour weeks to get it to work. Um, or even more than that, you know, 100-hour weeks, like whatever it is. It's, but there's something there. It is sticking. So it's, it's very different, um, that type of scenario, to I'm putting in 100 hours and I'm getting absolutely nowhere, which is a, a, a tough one for entrepreneurs to, to deal with. But it's just that they start to get that traction. And they might even have it as, you know, it's a, it's a reasonable lifestyle business. But the way that I'm doing things at the moment isn't going to take me up to that next level. You know, I do want more than, than what's going on at the moment. But then you're, who do you turn to? You know, there's a million books out there on strategy, but they're not all relevant to the stage that that business is at. There's a hundred mentors out there, but each of them's kind of got their own advice and their own path that they would take this on for growth. So you end up kind of just stuck in, like sometimes a rabbit in the headlights, and you can end up as well thinking of an evening 
you know, I really want to do that. I really want to go up to the next level. Okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do something about this. But tomorrow morning comes and you've got to put out today's fire, you know, and you're just back into that routine. Um, yeah. So yeah, you just get stuck in that no man's land and you, you become very operational and not strategic enough to be able to start to level that up. But you just don't know where to turn. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with that. And I ran into that situation when I was running car washes. And, you know, I was always fighting fires because it's such an operationally intensive business. You know, you're mm. dealing with a lot of equipment, you're dealing with employee issues, you're dealing with customers, um, you're dealing with customers' vehicles. And so there's, there's, a, there's a dynamic there that really, really lends itself toward problems coming up all the time. And you've got sort of a manufacturing process that you're having your customer, your customer is part of your manufacturing process because you're manufacturing clean cars mm-hmm. and, and your customer is part of that. And it creates a really interesting dynamic. And unfortunately, I was a great firefighter. So, sure. you know, and I, I it, there, there, there was an adrenaline rush in firefighting but it didn't allow me really to step back and run the business the way I needed to. And when I went from one to two car washes, it was really, really difficult. You know, it was more than double the work for whatever reason. Sure. And, you know, and yeah. then people said, well, are you going to grow again? I thought, there's no way I'm going to add any more car washes. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to double and triple my work. That's, yeah. That was kind of the mindset that I had, which kind of prevented me from really growing maybe the way I needed to in the car wash industry because I was acting like, you know, a brand new operator. And I I couldn't get that. I couldn't get my mindset changed to say, you know, the way you operate three to five car washes is much different than the way you operate one or two. How many do you have at the moment? Well, I had three and I sold them about a month or two ago. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of looking for, you know, David begin 2.0 here, but, uh, but, um, so I'm, I, I currently don't, don't own any car washes, but when I got to number three, I finally hired an operations manager, which made yep. a big difference for me. And it allowed me to kind of focus on how do we start, you know, hiring well, how do we develop a good culture where people want to work? How do we yep. take care of our customers? How do we create a, a great customer experience? And so, you know, it's very, very easy to get stuck in that. And for most entrepreneurs, to me, it's like, okay, if I want to go to the next level, I've got to work twice as hard and I got to put yeah. in twice as many hours. And most of us know that doesn't work. That just absolutely can't work. Yeah. Again, it touches kind of on that ownership of the idea versus uh, leadership of it. So if you look at the change that it sounds to me like you talked about was um, being able to delegate and hire in the right way and trust people to do certain things. Um, yeah. That's a hard shift for a lot of entrepreneurs as well particularly where the person that they can afford to hire in this generally in this no man's land is they're not, you know, they're not um, swamped with cash. It's not like they've got tons of cash to play around with. Yeah. And the people that they hire are not actually as good as they are at the thing that you're hiring them to do. So whatever that operations manager coming in, and I don't know about your specific case, but if you look at a lot of entrepreneurs, they might hire that operations manager and they're not as good an operations manager as the entrepreneur. Right. But if the entrepreneur doesn't let some of that go, then they're never going to be able to level themselves up and do the thing that they need to focus on. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you found that, that when you hired those people, it enabled you to really think about where you should put your time. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I was the worst at it, Joe. I was the, you know, I was like, <laughs> man, nobody can do it as good as I can. Nobody yeah. cares about it the way I do. Nobody sees, yeah. sees the operation the way I do, but I did have to come to the point where I did have to give it up. And so you, you talk about mindsets. So what are mm. some of the mindsets that you have to deal with to get the entrepreneur from point A to point B? So we, I think we've talked about some of the mindsets they have at point A. Sure. How, do you, how do you help them change their overall mindset so that they can start thinking about how to scale? The, the key thing for, for them, and a lot of them, I actually work with them on this, is to have that strategy first. You know, the, the thing of like, oh, I'll replicate um, by doing it the same way that I've done it, that might work, but it also might not. And like you say, it ends up kind of doubling your workload sometimes and it becomes unsustainable and quality can suffer and so on. So a first key step that I always work through with my entrepreneurs is the strategic stuff. So that is rethinking, you know, exactly who is the ideal customer, what is the vision for this business, where am I trying to take it, and then bring this into what we call milestone one, which is the next sort of big thing. So whether that is opening of place number two or opening of place number 10, you know, if they've got three, whatever that next big milestone is, and really that all of the attention gets focused on that. And then if they do understand themselves in terms of, okay, so what is it about me that is preventing me from doing, from making that, that leap? You know, is it that I don't understand certain aspects? Is it that I don't really understand how to market? So I need to get some, you know, a team member in that's going to help me with that. Is it that I don't have a good enough grip of the finance because I hate the detail, I tell myself that I'll do that stuff, but I never do. You know, really understanding what the firstly what those practical blockers are, so that you've got a a roadmap that actually makes sense if it can be executed on. But then you've got to understand yourself as a leader. You've got to understand, you know, what what type of people do I attract? How do I lead them? What is my communication style? I mean, the, the understanding your your people and how they feel and how they think and how they operate is so important to making that next leap because it is going to be about the people. You've got to have that, that plan down. You know, you've got to have something that people can look at and go, I understand what we're trying to do here. But it's really about understanding how you, how you are as a person because that's going to impact on your interaction style, your motive for dealing with people. So it's, it's really about leveling up your understanding of how you, how you lead, how you interact with your people, how you inspire them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I learned, I had to learn that, you know, the hard way, I think over years that mm. I had to lead the people instead of being the boss and just telling them what to do. I had to develop yep. a better communication style. I was a terrible communicator, even though I thought but, I was um, a great what, communicator. And what, what, what do you mean, David? What do you, what do you think was terrible about your communication? I, I was like so frustrated when things didn't go exactly right. And yep. I didn't use it as an opportunity to teach the managers and employees on how I wanted it to run. Sure. Um, if they wasted an entire barrel of chemical because they weren't managing the chemical applicators. Uh, and I used you know, that's $500 that's gone down the drain. Why'd you do sure. that? Instead of say, okay, let's try to figure out what happened here. And what do we need to do in the future to make sure it doesn't happen? You know, those, those type of conversations where I'm teaching them, I'm growing them and realizing that everything's not going to work 100% the way I want to. Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's a brilliant bit of personal reflection there to do that. 
Um, and it all ties into that thing about it being uh, your baby, you know, and it's your money that's, yeah. that's being washed down the drain. And hard to understand how somebody, you know, <laughs> it's hard to understand how a staff member at times maybe isn't looking at that same barrel going, we seem to be going through a lot of these barrels here, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just that they, they don't see that that thing in the same way as you do. Yeah. There's a, if people want like a practical look at that, there's an amazing book called The Alliance by Reid Hoffman, who set up LinkedIn. And one of his principles was that, you know, there's a lot of competition in the tech world in Silicon Valley. But what he did was he made sure that he was really clear about the, the company vision, you know, what they were trying to create why someone should want to be a part of that in terms of the culture, but also then asking the people about their personal visions and how can we align that with what we're doing here? You know, so if somebody did want to, say somebody wanted to join a car wash and said, you know, I see myself having one of these one day to make sure that you can make some time to go, well, here's how, you know, the numbers would work on this. Here's how you set up, um, you know, you, you set all of these things up. Here's how you actually run a business. I mean, not to create, you know, create your own competitors and knock yourself out of the market. Yeah. But just understanding what was important to them. Maybe they, they were really interested in management and leading. How do you get involved in that? Maybe they love social media and marketing. Is there a way that you can do, you know, tweak their job role to get them more engaged? And it was all about just increasing that buy-in and understanding that somebody that comes in at whatever level is potentially going to leave you one day. So how do you create this win-win relationship? I just thought it was a really great way to think about um, your staff and bringing them on board and, and creating something that's more than just a paycheck. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that one thing I realized the last two or three years of business ownership, at least in the car wash industry, was the investment in the people makes a big, big return in terms of culture, in terms of how they take good care of customers. And, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's it's still very much a blue collar environment, sure. but um, you know, I, the 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 car wash owners and operators that really make an investment in their people, I see a big difference in how they operate versus ones that just say, "I've just got to hire somebody. I don't care who I yeah. hire," and you know, they've got two and three hundred percent turnover every year. You can tell the difference between the operations, and I, I think it's—I certainly think it's worth the investment. Whether it's an operations manager, whether it's an H, uh, human resource director, or whoever, you know, to help you kind of help focus on the culture and the people equation. Hundred percent. Like really, really thinking about what does it mean to work here, and that's that's for every business. You know, like you're, okay, McDonald's is a burger giant, right? But you can be sure that they've, you know, they've invested in trying to put those things in the right place. You look at an operation of that scale. You know, you're always going to have elements of that that just don't buy in. But the ones who do buy in, the staff members who do buy in at that type of scale, that's what keeps a company like that going. As sure. opposed to somebody who's got like a single burger joint somewhere. Um, you know, it is, it is a question that's definitely worth your listeners asking themselves about. What well, here's a good question. So what am I doing to earn the right to ask my people for their best? You know, I think that's a really powerful question that leaders should be asking themselves because if the answer is, well, I'm paying them, you know, like you touched on, it's a false economy because if, if people are coming to you just for the money, they're going to leave when somebody offers them a bit more money, right? right? So it's what are you actually doing to, you know, to earn that right to be asking them for their best? I think it's a really good question yeah, um, for okay. all leaders to ask. 
I think it is a great question. I started changing my mindset from I'm paying these people to these people are volunteering for me. And when, when I took the different mindset that my employees were volunteers, it made me approach how I communicated mm. with them and what I did with them a lot different because they, they are volunteers in, in essence, we are paying them, but they don't have to be here. They don't have to show up and they're under no obligation to come to work um, if they decide they don't want to. So that, that, sure. was, that was a way for me to sort of change, change my mindset a little bit. I think I think it's I think it's a great point, and I think again, if your listeners were, were um, to pose that question to themselves, if everybody tomorrow was coming as a volunteer, how would I act differently, or how would I do things differently, or what would I do in this environment? You know, and there's maybe some line in the middle um, from where they are at the moment, but it's these reflection questions that really start to shift that leadership mindset. I think that's a brilliant question. I might, I'm going to steal that one if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm, yeah. Everything out there is for sale or for use. So don't worry about it, Joe. So you, yeah. So when when you get people to go from no man's land to the next phase, which is scale up or global, sure. Do do entrepreneurs, and this is a problem I had, is I could never envision myself running a twenty or thirty unit. Uh, car wash chain. I just, I, and, and, and I don't, sure. think, I don't think big enough in, in, in many cases, you know, I think, okay, well, I, I got the idea up and running. It's a good business. But when I started thinking about scale, you know, it gets back to that. Well, if I have five car washes, I got to work five times as hard <laughs> as anyone I had one, but I just, you know, I struggle with thinking big enough. Is that a typical problem that entrepreneurs have? So when I work with them, I think that's a double-edged sword, right? I think that you, if you look at people's mindsets, so give me a practical tip. Uh, again, everybody, have you taken a Myers-Briggs test? I think I have, yeah. I've taken one at one time. Yeah, so I would encourage people to do that. Now, for me, that's not like the be-all and end-all, and none of these tests will tell you, you know, they're not there to say, well, now you're that, and you're in this box, and you've got this label. But it does, it does encourage you to think about how do I think? How do I communicate? What is important to me? How do I make plans? But on Myers-Briggs, um, there is, uh, and you can take those online for free, 16personalities.com. I don't get any money from it. They're just the best guys at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a mention on Myers-Briggs that is called intuitive and sensor. So intuitives are really big picture people, and the sensors are the detail people. Now, being visionary is something that can often help entrepreneurs. You know, it is probably a trait that I would say the vast majority of them have. But sometimes you can set a vision that just feels so big that it loses all of its meaning. Mm-hmm. It's quite easy for an entrepreneur at the start of their journey to be cajoled into thinking, okay, now this should be like a, this global scale business and we have this billions of turnover. But they don't believe it. You know, they're, they're, and then they're trying to sort of sell that as a vision or create some sort of strategy around that that they just don't believe. So I'll always encourage them to bring it into something that we call peak point, which is as far as they can actually see that they believe because it shifts your mindset again. So if your thing, when you're thinking about that was, you know, one day I want to have, I want to have 20, but it, it feels so big. Like, what's the thing that you can believe in? Is it five? You know, and, and then bringing that to go, okay, well, if it's five, that's my peak point vision. That's the furthest thing that I can see. What's milestone one? Well, milestone one is maybe opening a second one without it being double the work. 
So now you start to ask yourself the right questions rather than a question being, you know, I've got a car wash, how do I become, you know, the world's biggest car wash, which yeah. again is something that I feel entrepreneurs are pressured into thinking, right? You're supposed to be as big as you can and as scaled as you can, but it just, it shifts your parameters. Um, so I, I'd encourage people to really think about, you know, what, what do they actually believe that they can get to? Forget everybody else and what they're supposed to think. What do they believe they can get to? And then what's that first milestone? Because what you do find is it's a bit like school. So when, when you look at, well, growing up, if you look at school, so primary school, when you're in primary school, is pretty much as big as the world is. You know, there's, there's that and maybe the, the, the town or the village, and that's pretty much the world. Like, there's a bigger world, but really your world's that. And high school is a slightly bigger world, but it still defines who's cool and who isn't and who's clever and who's in what group and what's possible. You know, but as you start to expand your mindset, then you start to change the realms of what's possible. So sure. if you think five is as big as I can get, opening number two is the most important thing and you keep your focus there. When you get to number two, you're, you're starting to think differently. Yeah. But if you give yourself too big a challenge to start with, it just feels totally overwhelming. Yeah, that's that. That's interesting to kind of chunk it and take smaller bites and say, I've got to go from one to two, two to four, four to five, you know, and then I look at five and say, go now, how do I go from five to 10? So, yeah, because yeah. because if you're thinking about from one to 20, that that is way, way too difficult to to figure out. Exactly. And you start, you're not really asking yourself the right questions. So if you were, if you've got people who are out there who are thinking, uh, I do want to grow and maybe that next, and that's a big one that you talked about, like just opening the second one is a big jump. You know, that's probably a bigger jump than opening, you know, number three or four. It because, is. You know, yeah. you really think about how you split the time. So if you, if milestone one is just about opening that second one, then you're asking the questions like, like from your learning about going, how do I open the second one without it being double the work? Well, in order to do that, I would need this type of staff member. What's the challenge around hiring them? So you start to ask the meaningful questions um, rather than thinking, you know, okay, well, how do I open 20? And, well, I would need this kind of stuff. Oh, oh, that's just so overwhelming. And then you just go back to, um, well, I need to do this today. So I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll focus on it later. It's about asking yourself the right questions for the next key milestone. Right. You know, and it's almost like you've got a transition as an entrepreneur from going from being an idea person to now developing some people skills mm -hmm. in terms of understanding people, how to hire the right people, how to motivate them, how to lead them. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And if you look at the... Um, Again, I'm not sure the stage that your your listeners would be at, but if you look at the the way that people will um, make decisions, you know, you've got to make a lot of those decisions for yourself as you are um, bringing that idea from nothing, you know, to your first sort of set of customers. But then, when you've got your people on board, it's what's the what are decisions that I can empower them to make. Like, what actually is their role, and not just see them as a, a resource, which is something before um just taking a step back as that leader to go you know how how do i enable this person to bring their best self and it can be frustrating at times because there are some people out there that you just feel you know when they come in it's like they are a hassle you know and they don't want to become their best self and i give them these opportunities and they blow it 
that yeah. that can change your approach. If somebody really isn't working, okay, you know, it's maybe time for them to move on. But you can't allow yourself to be tainted by a few negative experiences to become so battle hardened because it doesn't help your own mindset and it'll be a, a negative influence on your culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've made those mistakes numerous times as I was you know, but I, fi I finally got somebody that did something better than I did. So I, I realized awesome. this person was much better at human resources and developing employees. I, I, I didn't want to put the time in. I frankly, I didn't want to put the time into it because it was just, it was real tedious. But this person was really good at, you know, hiring people, developing people, holding, mm -hmm. holding employees accountable when they needed to be held accountable. And creating the, the, the right expectations and it really made a huge difference in, in the culture of the organization. Sure. So, so let's, let, let's talk about mindset experts real quick. Uh, tell us what, what you do, what, what are your offerings and then uh, how can you, how, how, how do you help entrepreneurs? So what I do, like I take them at, in at that stage, but the, the key thing for me is they have to be willing to work on themselves. Um, the reason that we do these three strands, so we work strategy, mindset, and execution, is that from my philosophy, that's it's, it's impossible to do it without those three. So if somebody is like, well, I'm at this stage and I just want more sales, go, go and get a sales coach. Um, I'm talking about really developing the entrepreneurial leader so that they can take themselves and the business to the next level. So the core offer for me is a 12-week program to start with, which is where we really look at, okay, so what is the strategic approach here? One of those points I've talked around with um, the peak point with milestone one, where are we trying to get to? To really create an actionable plan. The stuff that we look at when it comes to their mindset is things like Myers-Briggs, but also things like superpowers. So these are unique strengths that we have got that if we leverage in the right way, they can become, you know, they're, they're 10x things in a business. They, they can move things exponentially. The challenge sometimes is that we don't use our strengths enough because they become quite easy to us. So it, does, it almost doesn't feel like work. You know, somebody who's an amazing networker and going out and engaging people and us loads of fun doing that, they feel, oh, no, I should be doing something else in the business. But actually, if you're smart about how you do that and you bring the right people in at the right time, let's use that strength. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, you, on the neuroscience front, you know, your brain chemistry changes when you're engaged in these types of superpowers. Like you learn faster, you are more productive. So it's really understanding that type of profile. And also um, people's fears. You know, everybody, everybody has their own. People generally fear the same sorts of things around, you know, rejection, failure. But it's really digging under the, the hood of that to, to realize, so, you know, what is, what's driving that? Where does that fear actually come from? And there's a, a fear of success and a fear of failure. So you can have the person who's got the one car wash is thinking about going up to the next one, but it's the fear of losing what they've got. And how do you, how do you manage that? How do you react when those, um, when it looks like those situations could happen? You know, how can you stay calm and resilient? And then finally, the, the execution piece is checking in with them um, weekly or fortnightly, depending on what works best for them. But just giving them that safe space. I mean, I don't know if you had a coach when you were going through your journey, but there are, there are just conversations that you cannot have with your family. 
that you can't have with your staff members, even your shareholders, your board. You know, you, you need an outlet with somebody who is just going to be able to hold that space and also challenge you if they, it feels like you're getting complacent. So that, that's the core offer, really, to sharpen up over those 12 weeks. What's the plan here? You know, where are we going? How do you create the, the, the executable plan, an actionable plan? Who are you in this business and who do you want to become? And then let's push you to make sure you become that person. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. And I think you identified a real issue that most entrepreneurs have. It is very much a lonely environment because there are things you need to talk about and want to share with other people and you need to work out. And these aren't conversations you can have with your employees. They aren't conversations you might not sure. be able to have with your spouse. But sure. uh, having somebody that you can talk to about these issues, I, I believe, is a big, big, um, a big, big advantage because most of us are out there trying to figure it out on our own and we're sitting around and trying to figure out who can I talk to about this? Sure. And again, depending on your thinking style, you know, you can rush a decision because you feel that a decision needs to be made when maybe, you know, you could wait and get more information or you're, you know, you're not making a decision because you're, you're still going, oh, I can't be wrong. I can't be wrong. I can't be wrong. And you end up just going down these rabbit holes in your mind having that outlet because more often not entrepreneurs know their own answer like is i'll give entrepreneurs an opinion when we're talking about things if i've seen things before but it's them that are going to pick the the way forward um i'm just there to reflect to them like what i see is going on and encourage them to make the move that they actually want to make really to help them to develop the courage to do that i mean i'm sure you experienced in your journey that you make more create if you make the decision you can make a more courageous decision the next time and the next time and the next time. You build that resilience up and up and up. So it's all about making the forward progress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that's correct. I think you start building on your success and, you know, when, when you make decisions, that creates momentum to keep you making good decisions as you go along. Sure. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Well, if people want to find out more information, Joe, where would you send them? So the website is mindsetexperts.co.uk. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. Um, I post regularly on LinkedIn, um, video content mostly. But yeah, just if, if somebody, if what I'm saying makes sense to any of your listeners in terms of really starting out, okay, what is that next plan? And to put it into something that they can take action on. If they're interested in their mindset, and that's really key for my clients, that they have to want to look at themselves and how they're going to develop. And if they want to be pushed and challenged, but also supported of those difficult conversations and to have the outlet, then I'd be more than happy to, to talk to them. I'm not a, a hard sales guy. I know over time that this has to be the right process for both of us um, as a coach and as a, as a client. So... Yeah, I mean, it's about, is this actually the right thing for that person at this point in their journey? Yeah. Um, but that's where they can find me. Great, great. I think that's great. It's a great service you offer. And I appreciate coaches and mentors such as yourself that do help entrepreneurs kind of get themselves figured out, you know, develop a little bit more self-awareness and help them get to the next level. So that's mindsetexpert.co.uk. Yeah, mindsetexperts.co.uk. Oh, I'm sorry? Mindset experts with an S. Experts, that's right. I'm sorry. Mindsetexperts.co.uk. That's and the one, yeah. There's a link on Joe's website if you want to book a free 15-minute call and just explore with him. 
I'm sure he's uh, very happy to visit with you. So if there's something here you think would be interesting to help you operate your car wash better, you know, certainly give Joe, Joe a uh, book a call with him and just have a quick conversation. Joe, thank and you I, so much. This was I was just going to say outside of that, listen to the wise words of David here about his experiences, you know, the things that he's learned. That's a brilliant question that he, if you have a team, I would encourage you to really think about his question there, that if these guys were volunteers, how would I do things differently? Yeah. Because if you want to grow, it's going to be through your people, guys. So, uh, you know, read about the alliance, think about David's question, and good luck on your journeys. Yeah, great. That 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 That's great advice, Joe. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, just, you know, really focus on the, you got to get to the point you focus on your people, because those are the people, those are the, that's going to be the resource that's going to help you get to that next level. So. 100%. Cool. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much. It was great having you. It's some great information. I appreciate getting to visit with you and getting some of your insights. And um, I'll trust if our listeners want to reach out to you, they'll they'll reach out. Cool. It was great talking to you too. Really appreciate it. And thanks for the question. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Car Washing. If you want to leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd love to have it. Or go to our website at thehowofcarwashing.com. Leave us a little note and let us know if there's other types of topics you would like to hear on the How of Car Washing. And for this episode, Joe Trodden and David Begin, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on the How of Car Washing. Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast and we want to thank our sponsors, Mosaic. And if you want more information on their cloud-based platform, and if you want to read real stories on how Mosaic has changed the game for car wash operators in the U.S. and Canada, And if you'd like a quick demonstration of this powerful technology, simply visit wearemosaic.ca. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.